Happy Pentecost. Welcome, friends, both gathered here in the sanctuary, those streaming uh, from home. It's a joy to be with you and to worship this Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost is one of those days in the church calendar that doesn't quite get its due. Think about it. Christmas and Easter get a lot of energy and enthusiasm and excitement, but Pentecost, not so much, at least for us Presbyterians. It makes sense to celebrate Jesus' birth. By all means, we should rejoice in the resurrection, but we would not be here if it weren't for Pentecost. We would not be gathered in this very room if not the Holy Spirit had descended on that day, on that first Pentecost Sunday. We would not be here if God's Holy Spirit had not empowered and equipped God's people to go to the ends of the earth with the good news of the gospel. The great John Stott once put it this way. He said, without the Holy Spirit, Christian discipleship would be inconceivable, even impossible. He said, there, there, would, there could be no life without a life giver. There can be no understanding without the spirit of truth. There can be no fellowship without the unity of the Spirit. There's no Christ-likeness of character apart from the Spirit's fruit. There's no effective witness without the Spirit's power. As a body without breath is a corpse, so the church without the Spirit is dead. As a body without breath is a corpse, so the church without the Spirit is dead. So, this morning, this Pentecost, we're kicking off a series that we're calling Forgotten God. And over the next six weeks, we're going to be asking that question. Have we forgotten? Do we neglect the promise, the power, and the presence of God's Holy Spirit? Has our Holy Trinity become Father, Son, and Holy Bible? Have we neglected the role of the Spirit in our lives? If so, we will know that God the Father is for us. We will know God the Son with us, but we may miss the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit within us. We pick up the story this morning where we left off last week with Jesus' disciples in Jerusalem. They were waiting to receive the gift of God through which, remember, they would be Jesus' witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And, and that tells the story of Acts, doesn't it? If you ever wonder, well, well, how did the gospel of Jesus Christ get to Rome? If you ended the gospel of John and then went straight to Romans, you had to have no idea how that occurred. And the book of Acts fills in that question. It communicates how the Holy Spirit's descent sent God's people to the very ends of the earth. So hear God's word in Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they, being Jesus' disciples, were all together in one place. Suddenly the sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Notice, uh, there is one event with three different effects. One thing happens, and there are three uh, effects to that one cause. There's a, a surprising sound, there's a startling sight, and there is strange speech. Now, now, each of the three has a particular 
resonance within the Hebrew Scriptures. You can find a number of passages that, that speak of God, the surprising sound when God arrives, the strange and startling sights, different kinds of speech. And we see it most, uh, most powerfully within the giving of the law at Sinai. If you remember that scene with, with Charlton Heston and the two tablets... That's the chapter of salvation history that Paul is inviting us to reflect on in Acts chapter 2. And it's, it's that reason that so many people have been gathered into Jerusalem to remember the giving of the law and to celebrate the start of the harvest season. That was the reason for this big Pentecostal party in the first place. Luke explains, there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this surprising sound, the crowd came together in bewilderment because each one of them heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears him in our own native language? There's an implicit put down here. Uh, Galileans were not thought of very highly, certainly not as those who could learn a new language, but but Parthians and Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? What does this mean? Notice, they don't question what has occurred. The sound, the sight, the speech, they were unmistakable. But what does it mean? We are meaning-making beings. It's it's not enough to know that a thing occurred. We want to know what it means, right? In October of 1993, my grandparents threw a 50th wedding anniversary party. I think we have a picture here of the occasion You can see me on the far right with the skinny tie and the pleated khakis. You can tell by my lame attempt at a smile I was not having a good time. It was not exactly the kind of party that a 12-year-old would enjoy. Us grandkids, all seven of us boys, by the way, we had to sit there in our Sunday best, bored out of our minds. There was no pepperoni pizza to eat. There was no football to throw. There were no Nintendo video games to play. But there were balloons. And not just balloons with air in them. These balloons were filled with helium. And so... (laughs) And so, that night, at a kind of fancy party, fancy as far as we could tell, uh, we taught our grandparents... What happens if you ever so delicately bite off a little piece of the balloon and inhale the helium from the balloon into your lungs? Not approved by the FDA or CDC, by the way. (laughs) Then you can say any word whatsoever and your voice will sound like you've been transformed into Alvin or one of the other chipmunks. Those of you who have enjoyed inhaling helium from balloons can imagine what that was like. That 50th anniversary party was a little bit different from that point on. (laughs) And it's a real testament to 
how cool my grandparents were that they didn't get really upset with us for it because things got a little bit silly. If you breathe in helium, your breath out will sound very different. And if your breath out sounds like a cartoon chipmunk, that will affect the experience of those who are around you. Now, in Jerusalem on that first Pentecost were Jews from all over the known world, from all over the Mediterranean. They had many differences. They spoke different dialects. It's like that one ride at Disneyland with the really catchy melody that'll get stuck in your head for days on end. It's a small world after all. And now that I've said that, you might not hear anything else I say. Now, the people had gathered for a very different kind of anniversary, not a 50th anniversary in Three Rivers, California. They had gathered in the holy city to remember God's giving of the law. They had gathered to remember and to celebrate, no less, that God has not remained distant up behind the clouds with a lightning bolt just in case. God has graciously condescended and called us to a particular kind of life. That people who have been called by God, who who have been chosen by God, who have been drawn into God should live differently than the other surrounding nations. He gives these, these two tablets. And so God's people gather to celebrate that God's call on our lives has been clearly communicated. We know what he's called us to. At the same time, they would celebrate the first fruits of the harvest. It was kind of two holidays in one. They would celebrate that this same God who has called us to live in a particular way, this same God has been so gracious, has been so good, that he sends rain on the righteous and unrighteous. He sends his son on the good and the bad. That this God has given us these miraculous little seeds that go into the earth and, and the fields respond with food. That harvest has been cut from the field, and it has filled our bellies. Amen. Am I right? If there's anything to celebrate, us Presbyterians know how to throw a potluck, don't we? But God the Spirit descends from the Father and from the Son, bringing new life to this centuries-old celebration. Not entirely unlike breathing in helium from a balloon while wearing your Sunday best and being told to mind your manners. Those disciples breathed out a whole new language. This was not merely an ecstatic utterance, uh, a sort of heavenly language that others couldn't understand. There are other passages in the scripture where we seem to hear something about that. Um, This, but just to be clear, this is not that. The disciples breathe in the gift of the Spirit, and as they breathe out, they are speaking actual languages that other people understand, declaring the wonders of God in their own tongues. This miracle, and this is important, this miracle is not a miracle of hearing. The miracle is the miracle of speaking. If the miracle is one of hearing, then the disciples would be speaking their normal Galilean dialect, And nothing would have changed except somehow, miraculously, in the ears of the hearers, something would somehow make sense. There would be some sort of translation occurring. I'm convinced that that happens um, in preaching, even right here in this sanctuary. I I can't tell you how many times someone has walked out of... uh, the sanctuary and and commented somehow on a sermon how God spoke to them in a particular way and they thanked me for it and I said I didn't say that you see God has miracles of hearing all the time where he'll translate something that I didn't say but something that he said and, and you heard it 
That happens all the time, but that's not what happens here. What happens here is not a miracle of hearing, it's a miracle of speaking by simple, uneducated men long before Rosetta Stone software. They simply breathe in and breathe out. Frederick Buechner once said, God is the power of the power of life itself. God has breathed and continues to breathe himself into creation. God inspires. That's what the Spirit means, the wind of God, the breath of God, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost is highly contagious. When Peter and his friends were caught up in it at Jerusalem on Pentecost, everybody thought they were drunk, even though the sun wasn't yet over the yard arm. And Beekner concludes, they were. Now, they hadn't consumed a drop of alcohol. Part of the celebration is a season of fasting. They were still in that season. There's no possible way they'd drank so much early in the morning. But in another way, Frederick Buechner is right. The disciples were drunk. Drunk in the spirit in a particular way. Something external, something outside of themselves had come into them and had changed something within them so radically that when they opened their mouths, something different came out. It's no mistake the Apostle Paul later writes that followers of Jesus should not get drunk on wine, but instead be filled with the Spirit. The, the image, the metaphor is the same as Pentecost. That, that as followers of Jesus, the Spirit is available to us to breathe in change us, to transform us, to remake us, to reform us, that that, then as we breathe out, we breathe out something completely different. Something which isn't of ourself, but something that is of God. See, on this day, on this first Pentecost, God the Spirit overturns what happens in Genesis 11 at the Tower of Babel. Do you remember that story? where the languages were confused and the nations were scattered because the people thought that if they had one language with their own ingenuity, in their own strength, they could build a tower and could become like God. And Pentecost reverses it. Instead of needing to climb that tower to heaven, Pentecost tells us how heaven has come down to earth by the wind of God's spirit, the wind of God's breath. You see, at Pentecost, God does not require that we all speak the same language. Instead, he equips us, he equips his people to speak all of those different languages. At Pentecost, God honors our culture. God speaks our language. God meets us where we're at. Missionaries tell stories about when they've served for years and years trying to learn the dialect and language of an unreached people group, and there still are many around the world who have not heard the good news of Jesus. And when they finally find a way to translate a portion of the scriptures in a way that the people there will understand, the response is almost unanimously the same. God speaks my language. God speaks in a way that I can understand, a way that I can take in. See, breathing in God's breath, God's wind, God's life, writes God's law not on a stone tablet, but on the tablet of our heart. And breathing in God's wind, God's breath, God's life brings forth not the harvest of the fields, but the fruit of the Spirit. For many of us, especially those of us who've been Presbyterians for a little while, Pentecost is a little bit scary. Let's be honest. 
Us Presbyterians like things done decently and in order. Amen? <laughs> we love agendas and rules and meetings. We love them so much we've written entire books about them. We have meetings about meetings about the rules for meetings. It's like that line you've heard me use on Easter, right? On Resurrection Sunday, Baptists shout and Charismatics dance and Presbyterians nod their heads in silence. And in a way, the same can be true for Pentecost. But over the next six weeks, I want us to understand, I want us to learn, I want us to engage and see how that need not be the case. In John, Jesus makes it clear the role of the Spirit, the, the third person of the Trinity, sent from God the Father and God the Son. God the Spirit will teach us, Jesus says, will teach us all things and will remind us everything Jesus has said to us. He says, Jesus tells us the Spirit of truth will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, he will only speak what he hears. The Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. In our day, some of us get really nervous when we hear about things being spiritual. And we retreat, we pull back a little bit. Whoa, let's not get too spiritual. But that need not be the case. The Holy Spirit of the living God comes into our hearts to be within us, to continue teaching us, to continue helping us learn more and more about what Jesus brought and what Jesus taught. You see, the Holy Spirit brings God's law to life. The Holy Spirit brings forth fruit from the seeds of faith planted deep within our hearts. If we don't see God's law coming to life in ourselves, if, if we don't see ourselves breathing out love and joy, peace and patience, if we aren't breathing out kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, then we might not be breathing in enough of God's Spirit. Perhaps we need to take a deep breath. We know that God is for us. We know that God is with us. Perhaps we need to be reminded of God the Spirit within us. 20,000 20, times a day we take a breath. How many of them are we aware of? Or has our breath become something we don't even think about? Are we that aware of the God who is that close? Not only for us, not only with us, but in us. 20,000 breaths are 20,000 opportunities to be inspired, to breathe in God's promise and God's power and God's presence. 20,000 times to breathe in God and breathe out love for a world that so desperately needs it. This week, uh, Brian and I were meeting, just the two of us. Um, there's a song about that, isn't there? Um, just the two of us kind of sitting and talking through a particular uh, thing going on in, in our ministry. Um, this past year and a half or so has been the most challenging year and a half of ministry any of us have ever uh, ever experienced, by far. And it seems like every week uh, we've got some sort of thing we've got to talk through and figure out. Um, I won't give examples, but you can imagine. It's been a very difficult season for all of us. And because we're engaging this series, um, because I'm thinking about Pentecost, 
as we sort of, you know, all right, break, back to our offices, back to work, I paused and I just started praying and, and started praying for the Spirit to be ever-present and powerful, for the Spirit to guide us. And the rest of that day looked very different. The thing that we'd met about was not immediately solved, but I think, at least for me, and I, I haven't asked Brian, but, but for me, the rest of that day became very different because I was aware of the Spirit who was already present. You see, we take breaths 20,000 times a day, and that air is always there for us, right? We, we breathe in, we breathe out, but are we aware of the Spirit's presence, the Spirit's power, the promises of the Spirit to guide us into all truth? If we breathe in God... We cannot breathe out disgust or disdain or damning indictments of others. Jesus said the mouth speaks out of the overflow of the heart. In our age, that could be applied to social media as well, right? Our fingers type out of the overflow of our hearts. Oh, how we need God's breath. Oh, how we need God's wind, God's spirit to blow through us to overturn our attempts at building skyscrapers to reach the heavens, to see one another as sisters and brothers created in the image of God, that we might breathe in God, we might breathe out love. This week, be aware of your breath. Let's see how many out of those 20,000 breaths we can become aware of the Spirit's presence, of God's wind that is not only around us, but within us. Like 12-year-old Curtis at that 50th anniversary party, what we breathe in will affect how we breathe out. What we breathe out should sound different than everyone else. If not, perhaps we've forgotten God. May we not do so this week. May we become aware of that breath. May we breathe in that breath and may we breathe out God's love for the world. God, we give you thanks for the promise of your spirit. We celebrate that promise, your power and presence with us today. God, we give you thanks that you are not only for us, not only with us, but you are within us, residing in our very bodies as a temple of your spirit. May it be so evident to the world around us that we breathe in that breath that we breathe in that life, that we breathe in that wind. May our breath out look and sound different than the world around us. May that breath out reflect the laws you gave so long ago that were celebrated that first Pentecost. May our breath out reflect the love, the joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Because we have breathed in your spirit. We have breathed in your wind. We have breathed in your breath. God, help us to become aware of those breaths those 20,000 breaths, those 20,000 invitations to be reminded of your 
proximity to us, that you are for us, that you are with us, and that you are in us, leading us and guiding us. It's in the name of Jesus and by the power of his spirit that we pray. Amen.